everybody, this is Joey again with uh, Business Life and Coffee brought to you by Jumpstart HR. I'm here with Jim Knight who is, uh, I call him the culture king, the uh, <laughs> rock star of culture. Uh, he just finished up a presentation today at the Sherm Talent Conference entitled Culture That Rocks, Best Practices on How to Amp Up the Company's Culture and Deliver Sustainable Results. Um, a fun fact that he gave, and I think I'll lead with that, uh, your number one client is funeral director? It is. It is, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. You would think, um, you know, when they see me and you hear the, the volume and how my hair is and how I dress, you're going, what in the world would funeral directors get out of this guy? But yeah. ironically, they have the same issues that everybody else does. When I talk about culture and service and employee engagement and philanthropy and leadership, name any of that that's exclusive to us. So. They actually have the same challenges, and believe me, they are really far back into heritage. Like they focus a lot on the way things have always been, mm -hmm. very formal, very conservative. So, if I can get in there and elbow my way and be a yeah. little bit irreverent and unpredictable, and try and get them to think differently about how people want to celebrate death for millennials and these next kids, the digital natives, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's hilarious being at a conference like that but it is my number one clients right yeah. now so i'll take it i'll yeah. take it right yeah and i mean what better maybe better is not the, the best word to use but that's an environment where you want to have great customer service and you want to have a responsive unique experience um you touched on that in your presentation i'm sure we'll dive into it uh let's let's dive into it now part of yeah. culture is developing that unique customer experience. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I did. It probably got me into some trouble there because I ran out of time talking about it so much, but I, I can't in good faith talk about company culture without talking about service. I really think if you sell a product or deliver service, that is part of what makes up the organizational, the holistic approach to culture. The thing about it is, though, it's all predicated on people, right? It's all based off of human behavior. So I do tend to get into the weeds a little bit saying, listen, you are going to have to find the most authentic people. You're going to have to do things differently. You, you have to allow them to have a bigger playing field to, to bring something spectacular. And I just love being around people that will literally bring the thunder to do something exciting for me. And I made a comment out there, Joey, when I was on stage saying, and, and this is true, I am an experiential starved consumer. I am on the hunt looking for people to do something different with me. I can't be the only one. I believe that people really, in their mind, they're looking for people to treat them like an individual and bring something spectacular versus the same old, same old that they get with everybody else. So, yeah, yeah I do tend to spend a big chunk of my time sometimes, even when I'm talking about culture, wink, wink, it really is about service too, because I know that's going to be a fantastic way to get your company back on the path. Yeah. So service, culture, those two are in the same breath. But you mentioned that culture and heritage are not the same. That's right. And what I find when I'm working with some of my clients as an HR consultant, uh, I find that there's a preservation of heritage that is confused with preserving a culture. You got it. Walk us through and unpack this uh, concept that you present about culture and heritage not being... Yeah. One and the same. So as you would imagine, just like it sounds like that you you interact with, with your own clients, people confuse the two all the time. And I think the one thing I wanted to do, and it's, it's of course my number one takeaway when I'm speaking and certainly in the book, I really wanted to define it the way I thought that it was probably the best way that I could present it, which is 
people get wrapped up in the past. And I know you hear this all the time. It's not the way that it used to be. This is the way we've always done it. They get so mired down in history and legacy and legend and the, uh, oh, the founder. And I, I get all that. I totally get it. But I, I give them an example that if I'm the new person, if I just got hired today, as much as I will respond and look back in the past, honestly, I care more about what's happening to me today and what's going to happen in the future. So the, the way that I pitch this is this. Heritage is about the past and, and companies for the most part have a great story. They have a great history. But as much as people love nostalgia, they care about the here and now. Culture is about the present. The only way I can say that and the way I define it is I just think it's a collection of individual people. And each of those people have unique behaviors. Some of them are great. Some of them are crappy, right? Yeah. So when you have a collection of people that work in the organization, the culture is what it is at that moment. The next day, if somebody leaves or somebody joins, the culture changes immediately. So I get that people get wrapped up in the past and heritage. I do, man. I really love companies yeah. that have a great story. But if I was really saying, hey, I want to help you get back to whatever you think the good old days are, or at least let's amp it up and put a layer on it that will produce great, great results, it's about the people that you have currently existing. So you got to go out there and surround yourself with just people that absolutely get it. And yeah. I use the language, an army of giants. Yeah. You get that right, you'll have whatever culture you want. Yeah. You just can't get wrapped up in the past. I do say, though, to, to be honest, I do say love on it, celebrate it, throw your arms around it. We should use it to our advantage. There is something to be said about capturing it. I think the way you word the question is, you know, get that knowledge capital, whether it's in a manual or video or e-learning or storytelling. And I, I would say, yeah, 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 use it all. Just don't get wrapped up in only that being the culture. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, go to a, a bullet point that you had. Um, as people join or leave the band, the culture changes. Yeah. And I would equate it also, I'm a foodie. Yeah, um, sure, that's awesome. So that's it's good. like, if, if your company is a, is a pot of soup, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you, in this recipe, you use potatoes. But in the next time you did it, the potatoes are gone. Yeah. It's not going to be the same it's soup, right? It's definitely not. So, you know, I'm, also, I'm a musician too. I play bass guitar. Cool, uh, cool. And yes, I can 100% agree, when you have a new musician in your band, the sound changes because the way they perceive the music is is totally different. Yeah. Even if you have people just reading sheet music off of a stand, they can read it and uh, accent on it in different ways. That's right. Um, so l let's talk a little bit about, I guess, to to circle back on it being about people. Yeah. Um, why why are why is it that people matter most above heritage? And, and well, I, you know, and using your analogy, um, you know, you could say the same with rock bands. You know, yeah. you go and swap out one person. You take the lead singer. Hello, yeah. Van Halen. You know, Journey. You know, mm. you could do that with anybody. And you know, uh, Guns and Roses. You swap out the lead singer. Swap out a critical key person, and it's not the same band. Yeah. And I actually use some of that analogy in the book. You know, mm. you take out Gene Simmons at Kiss. Take out Neil Peart at Rush. Take out, you know, Ronnie Wood. At the, are they the same band? No, they're not. Mm -hmm. Using your food analogy, if you were using red potatoes versus white potatoes, maybe not as big of a change, but you swap out salt for sugar, that thing is completely different. And so some people, even if they're a low line level employee, whatever that means to, to you, even if you were only here for three weeks, you still made a dent in the culture. Mm -hmm. Positively or negatively, whether we took you out or you left on your own, you still made a dent. Mm -hmm. 
if you're one of these people where you are a fundamental huge part of the brand, where you are the founder, you're the owner, you're the president, you've been around for two decades, and you leave, dramatic change, big impact and influence. And it's gonna change when the new person comes on board that replaces you. So I make an analogy that you know it is about the people, and, and I sort of joked around with the audience and said, mm-hmm. listen, if I take all whatever number thousands of you and swap you out, with a bunch of different humans, but I left everything else in place, the same product, same infrastructure, same tools and process and forms, Mm -hmm. the culture would be completely and totally different because of the human condition. Mm -hmm. You change any of those systems and tools in the environment, maybe a little bit, but it's it's so small compared to the people that are absolutely the ones that are gonna bring the experience. So when I talk about the experience, it can be anything. Again, if you're selling a product or a service, I will forever hang my hat on the humans. And I don't think it's just because I was an HR practitioner or that I was a training and development guy. I just look at brands and go, the ones that are absolutely killing it, they've hired the right people and they've allowed them to be themselves and bring something spectacular. And I'm jealous of those brands. I mean, I want to hang out more with them. And yeah. so, you know, there's a reason why we love the the Nikes and the Starbucks and the Zappos and Southwest. And, you know, it's the same old characters because they get it right. Yeah, We should be talking about them. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the brands that get it right. And uh, in your presentation, you mentioned how individual agendas produce random actions. Um, how can companies, what can companies do to ensure that individuals aren't driving the culture, but the collective is establishing a culture? Yeah. Um, well, you, you could actually be okay with individual setting it if you've mm-hmm. fostered that environment, um, but you're probably right. It would be really difficult. I still think a single person with a great idea can start a revolution. Yeah. It's harder to go uphill if it isn't supported, and if you definitely have a leader who doesn't get it or doesn't support it, it's going to be harder. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, you get somebody at the very top who gets it, they'll be able to push that down, disseminate it to everybody, and they can make more things happen. Mm-hmm. But I think to your question, um, my point is that I do think that individual agendas are created when people come up with stuff on their own. Mm-hmm. And so the way that you solve that is you communicate like heck. You communicate, communicate, communicate. So I was making an analogy of yeah. you too from the stage, right? right? And I said, you know, most people don't know the name of the bass player and the drummer. Mm-hmm. They know Bono. They know the guitarist, The Edge. Mm-hmm. But they don't know Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. And those guys are the rhythm section. They are so key to that band. I mean, they're the biggest band in the world, but it's four people. It's not just two. Yeah. So my point is that everybody, everybody has a part to play in the band. And so if I can get to everybody, probably means I got to spend some time. I got to make more eye contact. I'm going to have to sit down and do some mentorship. Got to hold a few more meetings. I got to put up a few more bulletins or text or whatever it is. And my answer is yes. Like I'm a yes and I would do all of that to get everybody in the know of what we're trying to do. Because if you can get people to take the hill together, you're so much better than just slinging a blade out there trying to take the the war to somebody on your own. No matter how good you are, you're gonna get overpowered. Mm -hmm. You come with an army of people who get it, and the only way you can do that is just share, 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 communicate as possible, as much as possible, you'll have a much stronger organization. So I'm not opposed, and I probably never would be having people bring something individually to the table, Mm -hmm. but I think once we decide this is our service philosophy, or this is our mission statement, or this is the value orientation that we're going to work in, mm-hmm. and I'm the leader, then we have to do that. And if that means i got to communicate a little bit more or play some Jedi mind tricks on a couple of them or reward and recognize whatever it takes, yeah. that I know we're going to win when we can get a shared mind, mindset with everybody going in the right direction. Cool, cool. So my point was, be like you too, right? Yeah. Get everybody singing off the same sheet of music, and those guys do. Yeah. Now, 
you can't talk culture without employee engagement. Yeah. And uh, employee engagement is is heavily influenced by leadership top down. Um, what are some of the what have you seen in your training and in writing your book? Uh, what have you seen um, to be a, a barrier that uh, CEOs, executives, like what's preventing them from being open? What's from preventing them from, from communicating? Yeah. Why, why is that? Why is well, that it's the standard HR issue, right? It's that you might have a leader who's focused more on results. They're looking at revenue or profit or EBITDA. Um, they miss out on the human factor. And so maybe they've hired a really good HR director or VP of training or whatever it is, and they sort of let them kind of do their own thing until they're ready that they need some money, they need some resources, they bring something to the table, and there's nothing from a quantifiable return on investment. And it's hard for a CEO who's very numbers-oriented to see past that. Um, I think probably the biggest thing is that HR and training people have to get better at making their case. They can't throw down the culture card and say, we ought to do this because it'll be the right thing to do. It's not enough. So you do need to become a little bit more of a business-oriented um, executive or even just a middle manager. Now, I would say I would get into the weeds. So as much as uh, this might sound counterintuitive to what I was saying earlier before, mm -hmm. I am, in fact, a process-oriented guy. I do believe that we use the terminology employee life cycle all the time, right? Yeah. So from recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, training, developing, communicating, rewarding, recognizing, even separating, mm -hmm. I personally believe there should be at least one, if not many, great processes in every one of those areas. They're all important. Now, I was smack dab in the middle. I was in the training and developing and communicating. I had no idea how people were coming in or how they left. I mean, I do. I didn't have any say so. If I was honest with myself, I could have gone back in time. I probably at least have my finger on the pulse of the culture of the people we were hiring. I would have probably been better off at being a recruiter if I was honest with myself about having bigger influence. So your question is about what could people do? You go to the front end of the employee life cycle. Get really good compelling recruiting collateral out in the public domain. So instead of putting help wanted or now hiring ads, I would find the most relevant stuff to get a millennial to go, huh, that's pretty interesting. I'd be interested in checking out that brand. Then right behind it, you gotta make sure you have the right employee profile. We constantly still focus on competence. Shocking to me that the bulk of an application and a resume and a CV is all about experience. Mm -hmm. and the majority of the jobs in this country, you need very little, if any, experience. You do at some level, but for the most part, frontline positions, come on. Yeah. You don't need anything. So we hang our hat on, on the, I call them the three C's. Competence is the one we go for the most. It's the least important to me. I'll take it if you have it. Mm -hmm. But I want the other two C's. I want character and I want cultural fit. Mm -hmm. If you have the perfect person who's got all three, that's awesome. But the reality is we still focus more on competence. So my employee profile, I would spend a little bit more time making sure I got the right people that I want on the bus. Then right behind it, and I'll stop here, but this mm -hmm. is the last one, the interviewing guides themselves which as HR people we know, we already do the open-ended behavioral-based questions, but we don't do enough of the culturally-based questions to put people in some situations or asking questions to see would they absolutely fit in here. Um, I, I'm a multi-interview type of guy. I want you to not have one interview, but multiple interviews with multiple managers using multiple and different interview guides asking different questions. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to get the candidate that you want. Mm -hmm. So if you start with recruiting, better employee profile, Interview guides, those are my top three. That absolutely will get you to stop the bleeding because all the best training in the world is not going to help a bad hire. Yep. So I'm still going to come behind with all that awesomeness yep. with training and developing and communicating and all the other stuff. Yep. But 
I would focus my energy. If you want to find a silver bullet, I'm going for the front end of the employee life cycle. That's what I would go for. Okay. So starting at the beginning. Yep. Uh, Jim, where can people find more information about you, your book, the favorite band you're into right oh, now? Yeah, where, where can they learn more about Jim, the man, and, and what he's all about right now? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Joey. Um, well, a couple places. Um, my formal business, my speaking gig, that's what I do, is called Night Speaker. So you can go to nightspeaker.com, and I've got a lot of information up there. My book, Thanks for Asking, is called Culture That Rocks. You can go to culturethatrocks.com or obviously in that other website, Night Speaker. Today, I just launched a brand new newsletter. So um, with a good partner of mine, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of other businesses. But yeah. this one's cool because it's an extension of my HR training background. And obviously... I'm trying to continue the conversation after speaking engagement for people that want. So it's a monthly paid subscription, but you opt into it and you get a blog, a video. We're doing some cool quotes. We prop up a company or a person that's doing really well at whatever our topic is that year, that, that month. Uh, we have a survey where we're giving the results from last month's survey. And then we're asking a question here for people to get involved. Um, it's fantastic, man. It, I, I look at it as just being craveable content. Yeah. It's called Rock and Grow. So that's a new website. It's rock-n-grow.com. Okay. And I'll stop there. Those those three, I mean, I, I'm into a lot of other stuff, but those three will probably get people enough. Cool. <laughs> They'll get tired of me real quick on that. Cool. And, and you didn't say your favorite band. Yeah, my favorite band. I mean, if I have to pick one that everybody would know, is probably U2. Um, I'm a big U2 guy. Um, right with that is Rush. Okay. I grew up on Canadian uh, prog rock music and some British power pop. Cool. If I started listing bands, people wouldn't even know. I do <laughs> listen to some top 40 and some classic rock, but All right. um, U2 is probably the most well-known. Cool, cool. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks for joining Joe. the conversation, and uh, we'll see you on the speaking circuit and social media and the newsletters. I'm honored, man. Thanks so much. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at Jumpstart HR. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together.